You're tuned in to In the Know with HLSCC, a podcast series that keeps you in the know of all things happening at the college. How do I use my associate's degree? How do I use my certificate? What's happening around campus? Find out all you need to know and more with conversations and updates from faculty, staff, and students with In the Know. Hey guys, you're tuned in to In The Know Podcast with HLSCC. I'm your host, Bria Smith. The series of interviews that you will be tuning into have been specifically crafted to reflect our new norm. In this podcast special, titled The New Norm, Acting President Dr. Richard Georges sit down with Recovery and Development Corporation consultant, Ms. Pat Leanne Johnson, to discuss the territory's potential economic fallout, avid the COVID-19 pandemic. Pat Leanne Johnson is a Recovery and Development Corporation consultant working with the Premier's Office of the Government of the Virgin Islands. She was instrumental in developing the Recovery to Development Plan for the British Virgin Islands and the legal, institutional, financial, and monitoring frameworks governing the recovery following the disasters of 2017. In addition to recovery-related matters, she is coordinating the national development planning process and managing areas of technical support offered by development agencies and regional organizations. More recently, she is providing economic and fiscal policy advice to the government of the Virgin Islands relating to the COVID-19 crisis. She's a technical team member of the Coronavirus Economic and Fiscal Stability Task Force. She started her career in the public service at the Development Planning Unit, now known as the Central Statistics Office, as a deputy director focusing on enhancing the data collection mechanisms of unit and ensuring greater utilization of economic and statistical analysis for decision-making and planning. As the former Deputy Financial Secretary for Economic and Fiscal Affairs in the BVI, she developed and led the government's public financial management reform program, institutionalization of fiscal planning and reporting and results-based budgeting and strengthening financial systems were just some of her major achievements. As an International Monetary Fund PFM short-term expert, she has provided assistance to governments in the Caribbean region on developing and monitoring their PFM action plans. Prior to the public sector, Pat Leanne worked with the Financial Services Regulation in the BVI in the Policy and Statistics Division, and also as a full-time and part-time lecturer at the H. Laverty Stout Community College in the areas of Accounting, Finance, and Economics. She holds a Master of Science degree in Economics and Finance from the University of Bristol and a Bachelor of Science degree in Economics and Accounting from the University of the West Indies, Cave Hill Campus. Hi, Pat Leanne. Hello. Dr. Charges. Um, yeah, so today we, we, we're just having a chat. I think we, we, we're starting off more about the specific impacts that you've seen um, on the local economy and the global economy, um, so micro and macro, with respect to the COVID-19 pandemic. And then I think we'll probably talk more in general about um, economics, what's, what's exciting about it, what brought you to the field, and, and where, you, where you see the BVI's um, development going in the future and what, what sorts of principles we should be thinking about uh, as we envision a, a, a different reality than the one that we're accustomed to. So I think I'll start with um, yeah, so where I said we'll start. Um, what, in your estimation, has, has, has been the overarching impact of COVID on, on the territory's um, economy? Thanks, Richard, for first of all inviting me um, to be part of this podcast. 
I'll just sort of step back. I'll answer your question, mm -hmm. but I'll just <laughs> step back a little bit. As far as you want to go. <laughs> um, I think crises, um, as we know, sort of exposes all vulnerabilities. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to go back as far as Irma, but from Irma, we realized that the BVI was very vulnerable. I mean, our infrastructure was destroyed. It um, left a a gaping hole um, in terms of the provision of certain public services. Um, so, I mean, some of the vulnerabilities which we exhibited after that significant crisis have not been necessarily fixed, and we're seeing them right. coming yeah. out again. So, um, to me, the crises are different, but as a small state, we're sort of impacted in the same way, it's just the level of the impact. So let's just, I'm just using Irma as a, and Maria as an example, okay. So there was a lot of infrastructural damage, um, persons, there was, you know, there's a vulnerable sector that was um, exposed. Um, we sort of were prepared for disaster, um, immediate sort of response, but not necessarily a longer term recovery. Right. Um, with COVID-19, there was an infrastructural damage but again, the similarities is exposed a whole other set of vulnerable people. Those who um, might have been underemployed, those that were in a particular sector, um, tourism, that have now become unemployed. Um, more so than we had with, um, with Irma. Hurricane Irma and uh, Maria, but still a similarity in the sense that there is this vulnerable um, population mm -hmm. that we, we do need to um, deal with. That's a considerable segment of the population. Um, yes, I think more than we probably think it is, um, because we don't necessarily have the uh, comprehensive social protection systems that are might be in other countries. Mm -hmm. um, Large like economies. Yeah, like yeah. Jamaica or Barbados. Mm -hmm. or they've had to deal with having um, better social insurance or social protection infrastructure to deal with situations like this. I mean, in BVI, we have been lucky in terms of when we do have crises, so for example, when there's an exogenous threat, let's just say, after the financial crisis, mm -hmm. we did not suffer as badly as, say, our, as our Caribbean um, neighbors, primarily because of the fact that financial services in corporations of, of companies were still sort of robust. So government was still able to provide a certain level of um, financing of their, their public goods and services. Mm -hmm. So whereas in other countries, they yeah. had to, um, taxation is mainly what um, revenue, funds right. government revenue. We were sort of isolated from that since we have a, a less dependency on taxation to fund um, public expenditure. Similarly with um, obviously Irma and COVID, Financial services is sort of like our saving grace, mm -hmm. although I think mm -hmm. we're running out of, of, of time and luck. So it has um, isolated us from some of the uh, direct major impacts that, say, our other Caribbean um, countries are, um, are facing. So and I'll answer your mm -hmm. question. No, thank, so in terms of the economic um, impact, this crisis is is very different. First of all, it was it just came upon us without any um, sort of notice. We do not necessarily know where the the bottom is. Mm -hmm. One year from now, we could still be in um, a situation where you know tourism is is still limping 
um, ahead. Um, financial services is 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 dipping, mm -hmm. um, especially the, how much is going to contribute to government revenue is falling off. Um, right now, at this point in time, financial services is I don't want to use the word robust, but mm -hmm. um, we haven't we have seen some fallout, but so far, um, government is still you know they're there. Um, revenue base has not been as impacted as other countries like say Antigua, Barbados and Lucia right. where they depend heavily on, um, on the tourism. tourism product and they need that that foreign exchange um, so here the government has at this point in time has not announced any you know significant cuts to and everybody's preparing for that mm -hmm. just in any event significant cuts to um, public expenditure which is has to happen in other um, countries it doesn't mean that they need to be complacent because as I said we don't know where the the bottom of this um, thing is um, government is, has now had to play a more integral role in the economy so something that they have not had to do before in terms of especially from the social assistance side mm -hmm. because you have a situation where we haven't seen even if after Irma there was um this there was destruction there was obviously tourism sort of tourist industry sort of shut down but persons who were laid off in that or didn't have um, jobs in that sector were able to at least maybe transition to something else right. so that was right. you know construction or um, or something else they could sort of be retooled and reskilled now this is having a first impact on tourism Mm -hmm. Significant. It was like shut the borders. I mean, it just fell off a, off yeah. a cliff. Yeah. Um, so persons were impacted immediately. To, um, government revenue on that side no was immediately. Yeah, it was just like today you had a job, tomorrow you um you were uncertain about um, your employment um, um, future. So that sector has been significantly impacted because everything is interrelated. It is now this contagion into every single sector. Mm -hmm. Real estate is impacted. Um, not only um, persons who are employed, rented homes, etc. Right, 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 um, right. Construction is impacted because of, you know, to control the spread of the, um, the disease. Reducing the size of work teams. And uh, exactly. Yeah. And um, because of the uncertain uncertainty, major contracts that might have been signed, you know, mm -hmm. investors are, you know, a bit um, trying to be very cautious now because they don't know when this thing is going to, to end. Wholesale and retail has been impacted um, because you have a large section of the population who are probably unemployed or even if you're employed you are still going to be very cautious in terms of how you spend your Interest, money. Yeah. So it affects retail, wholesale and retail, um, uh, real estate, um, the all aspects of the tourism industry and all the other ancillary industries. Um, right now, the, the fishermen and the, the farmers are probably <laughs> doing the best because of the demand right. for, um, for, especially during the lockdown, the demand for, for local produce. Um, so, short answer is that there is going to be a, probably a larger um, economic fallout um, in terms of, say, on the macro level reduction of GDP than we felt mm -hmm. in Irma. Right. Um, there's going to be less economic activity um, because, of course, yes, we're going to try and drum up internal economic mm -hmm. commerce mm -hmm. and activity, 
but as being a small state who is highly reliant on external um, income mm -hmm. that is not going to be enough to right. to to keep us going. Um, so the it's just a very uncertain time. Mm -hmm. So we just don't we just don't know what's going to happen in the it's US. Yeah. yeah, we don't know the US. The narrative has changed from COVID nineteen obviously now to mm -hmm. Black Lives um, Matter, which is fine. And you know there's always these new cycles. Mm -hmm. But COVID nineteen is spreading. Yeah. Um, uh, people are people are even if the economy has reopened, there might be a situation where they have to close down again. Mm -hmm. When is tourism going to, to restart for us? When Especially are we going considering to the markets that our industry usually looks at. Exactly, it's the US. It's um, a major market. Yeah, and then the um, so, um, so I guess one, one thing I'm thinking of is that is you know there there have been announcements about um, other islands looking at you know. Reopening and by necessity, I guess, because you know it's an economic necessity. Um, I guess the question that I have would be with the reopening of, of, of borders, if it is driven more so by economic realities versus, I mean, how, how, how difficult is it for a state um, to balance that um, incentive or that motivation versus the public health concern? Um, as you said, you alluded to earlier, it's, there's no playbook, there's nothing that's been written in terms of how exactly we deal with it. Um, I mean, I think it was a good idea at the beginning to prevent community spread. Mm -hmm, I mean, I mm -hmm. think that, I mean, we can analyze this five years from now and maybe think that we should have done something different. But I think at that point, community spread was paramount because given the the um, our health our health services yeah, capacity capacity I mean yeah. you know there are only so many beds at Peebles they mm -hmm. had an isolation unit that could deal with maybe three to five um, persons who were um, really impacted by this um, virus so I think that was probably a, that was a good idea now obviously you cannot keep the place closed down forever mm -hmm. because then the economy would just die so I think a balance has to be brought between the risk. Mm -hmm. of importing additional infections and um, obviously the need for opening up starting economic activity. Um, so I mean I think Sweden took a whole totally different approach to that. Obviously mm -hmm. they have a you know um, they have a more socialist um, economy and I think their their health system is obviously probably advanced. But I think we might have to think of how we can adapt maybe some of their their principles and look at lessons learned that we will probably have to open um, but ensure that the persons who are most at risk are still sort of isolated mm -hmm. um, which I think is what they did in, in Jamaica obviously you're gonna have more cases right. that way um, because they didn't totally shut down but I think we're gonna have to manage the reopening, take whatever precautions that we need to increase testing. I think it's mm -hmm. is definitely one thing. Is if you don't, if you don't know, you can't prepare or, or manage the situation. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's been a lot of talk within the region of how you're going to be able to accept tourists, whether they're going to need a COVID um, passport <laughs> or something. Yeah. Um, or a two-week quarantine before the a two-week quarantine. I think in terms of our tourism product. We are a little bit of an advantage because of a lot of, I guess, our higher end tourists. They come, 
here and you can maybe you know disperse them to different private islands and have that as their quarantine of course once you make sure you protect um, the workers and also the charter boat industry you know you swiftly move them from, yeah, from the <laughs> when they arrive to um, the charter um, to their boat and that could be their their quarantine um, mm -hmm. that could be their quarantine facility so I think it's important that we work closely with um, our regional partners um, or other regional countries because there could be regional tourism mm -hmm. being generated since the region for the most part has sort of been able to stem off the, the contagion of the, the mm -hmm. virus mm -hmm. um, but also see how we can again it's a bit difficult because of you know the US the virus is spreading there probably very quickly we have the issue of air access mm -hmm. so persons still are not necessarily going to be able to take a direct right flight here, um, which is a bit of a disadvantage compared to our Caribbean um, neighbors. So it's there's no one answer, but I think we'll have to open up slowly, manage that risk, ensure that the most vulnerable persons are the ones that we definitely isolate, mm -hmm. and um, ensure that we at least have some sort of system in place to, to manage persons who are coming in. Because you would hate a situation if we, you know, you open up and then this thing starts right, to and, spread. Right, and, and all, the, all, the, um, all the pocket. I, I think um, the other direction of, uh, that I wanted to talk about was, and we, we've spoken about this on social media mm -hmm. and elsewhere, but, um, and it's probably something, something that merited conversation before, but might be even more necessary now. Um, so, picking up on what you were saying, coming out of, of, of the pandemic, um, in addition to the practical um, issues or problems or challenges uh, with respect to the spread of, of the disease and opening up mm -hmm. your borders, um, you know, this, we're quite likely going to be in a global pandemic uh, infused recession for a little bit of time. And that, given our major industries are, you know, people having some degree, people who are from outside having some degree of uh, disposable income, whether it's to invest um, or, to, or to set up a, a, a corporate companies in, or whether it is to spend on leisure and tourism. You know, what could we think of um, in terms of shoring up or, or protecting um, the future of the territory, considering that you know, we have these two pillars that are so um, focused on external um, ex expense. Yeah. Um, I ex mean, external investment. Yeah, it's, I'm sure this word diversification has yes. been used so many different mm -hmm. times and we're tired of hearing about it. And um, I mean, realistically, such a small, small states is difficult to diversify to the level of another dominant industry. Right. It's just not realistic. We don't mm -hmm. have the resources to do that. So I honestly don't think that we will find something. No one thing. Tourism or find, mm -hmm. no one thing that will have the same economic impact that say tourism has had, mm -hmm. or even financial services um, in terms of contribution, not only to, to, um, to government revenue, but to economic growth. Mm -hmm. I don't think we can, I don't, no magic bullet. <laughs> There's no magic bullet. <laughs> yeah. So I think um, one, um, 
I mean, we've talked about diversification of our financial services, product, right. um, et cetera, more value added. Um, so some of the things I'm going to have been said already, mm -hmm. that needs to, to continue. I know there's been some um, work being done there so that even though, because incorporations obviously is the, the, the big ticket item for um, government um, and with reduced commerce along in the world now, that could have definite um, implications in terms mm -hmm. of you know the need for these financial uh, inst um, instruments. So there might be other areas that um, that financial services from can benefit from. Tourism, I think we just probably need to rethink the tourism model and create more of a niche market. Um, mm. Traditionally, I guess we are a wealthy jurisdiction, you know. Um, we have a lot of branched out into mass tourism through mm -hmm. the um, cruise industry, which that's I'm not sure exactly how that's going to, that's going to mm -hmm. recover, um, and that's the lower end of our our market. So I think we need to, to find a tourism um, model or market that is less susceptible to these sort of um, external shocks. Mm -hmm. Rich people, yes, they might yeah. have a dip in their. Um, overall portfolio yeah. but they're yeah. still going to go on vacation right they're right. still going to um, <laughs> go on their family vaca vacations um to ex you know to get away of the stresses of their lives so i think we need to probably high become end. yes high end sorry we think become nature's little secrets as we were mm -hmm. intended um to be um there is the potential for i think fishing does have potential um I'm not expert on it, so I'm not sure in terms of yeah, commercial. how commercial fishing right, 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 right. and what um, impact that will have. Obviously, government could get some sort of revenue from, you know, whatever licensing, etc. Um, but it will help us with food security, um, definitely. And there might be an instance where we could start creating like an export market. Mm -hmm. um, agriculture. That, that, that might be niche as well. Um, it might necessarily yes. be a, a, a right. you know, yeah. mass exploitation. Like exactly. It might be targeted relationships. And right. So I think just generally that I think we have to look at, as you said, little things. We're a small, we're a small um, country, a small community of 30,000, 35,000 people. If we have um, small businesses that can employ five, ten persons, that goes a long way in sort of uh, keeping the economy mm -hmm. sort of flowing. So I believe in yeah, entrepreneurship. Yeah, it'll have, it'll have a greater impact than right. you know in a, in a, in a bigger in a, pl a bigger place on the community level. Um, so I think there's other one of the things that there's other great potential for renewable energy. Mm -hmm. I think the private sector needs to be um, incentivized to invest in some of these um, other niche niche areas, um, innovation or whatever. Mm -hmm. So you know renewable. Um, um, energy um, is definitely a big ticket item and I think that's something that we could definitely benefit from. Uh, E-commerce, digitization, mm -hmm. that's something that's mm -hmm. been talked about for a while, especially after Hurricane Irma. Um, so I think... Fintech. Fintech, yeah. So these sort of um, niche industries where um, we have to obviously upskill our people so that they can participate in a meaningful, meaningful way in these industries. I guess that's, that's where we come in, I guess. <laughs> that's where you come in. Because <laughs> um, I think it's, yeah, just chip away one couple jobs at a time. Um, but we will never be totally um, 
immune from external yeah. factors. Yeah. I think so. If another hurricane comes, you will be impacted. God forbid another pandemic-like um, crisis happens, we are being um, impacted. It's just a sort of trying to reduce our vulnerabilities and in, um, increase our capability of bouncing back quickly mm -hmm. or being able to be quite nimble to, to deal with um, them. We can have a two-hour conversation. Of course, I'm sure. So, that's but, but, <laughs> the, the, so I think the last bit, I think, is, is a more of a theoretical or philosophical component to it. Mm -hmm. I think, mm -hmm. um, and of course, Pardon the ignorance, not being an economist myself, um, having read some, but not, not you know, being in the, in the field. And so we've been talking about this concept of, um, of degrowth, right, as, as a different kind of, of economic model. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I think that just for our listeners, there's an economist by the name of um, Jason Hickel, um, who, who suggests that, you know, the capitalistic infatuation with growth, you know, usually by any means, that has driven um, nation states for the past, you know, four to five hundred years, um, is one of the reasons why we have the Anthropocene or the, or the climate crisis that we have experienced. It, you know, it, it, he also argues is one of the reasons why we had, you know, huge institutions of injustice, like, um, you know, the period of enslavement in the West, um, capitalistic and corporate exploitation of, of developing countries that continues mm -hmm. to this day. Yeah. Um, because of this incentive that, that, that we must grow and that there's no... And get richer and... Yeah, and there's no ceiling, there's no yeah, yeah. end of purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he suggests a different model, um, or, or suggests a different framework, at least, mm -hmm. to arrive at a different model. And I, I, I was thinking, you know, for developing countries or developing states, mm -hmm. You know, it's very difficult. We can't abandon growth because we require to, we require to grow um, in order to um, do what we need to for our, our citizens and our residents. Um, but that has to be balanced somehow. There must be some yeah. kind of yeah. I think I think um, the focus should be at this point a disjuncture, I guess, just in the world economy um, more. In, on equity and equality, because what is this um, insane desire to for growth and wealth has really created a huge divide between the haves and the have-nots, and this is a lot of the what we're seeing in America now. Yes, it's a race issue, institutional racism, but it's really a inequality issue also. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, it, it has to do with. Um, you know, centuries of constant um, degradation and racism that probably contributed to that. But just generally, um, the world is not an equal place. You have a very small amount of people who control a lot of, a lot of money. And I think what's happening now is sort of like an uprising in terms mm -hmm. of people are realizing like, okay, this is not working for me. I've been working very hard all my life and I can barely afford to even put a roof over my head. So I think in terms of, yes, growth needs to happen, but it can't happen unchecked. Or it can't happen at the detriment of a particular race or a particular region. Mm -hmm. I think there needs to be a re rebalance, and whether it's done um, purposefully, I think it will just happen automatically. Mm -hmm. So I think people are going to, to, to rise up. Because there's this whole globalization that, you know, we know what's happening, you know. Right. I, I, I think <laughs> that you're even, disadvantaged. Even, you know, five to eight years ago, 
with the rise of like populist right wing mm-hmm. nationalist mm-hmm. leaders, I think it was also sort of response to the same inequalities in society. Inequalities and frustrations. And frustrations, and mm-hmm. I think a, a, a dominant race realizing that okay, uh, you know, I used to be probably considered right. dominant, but I'm not because again, it's, it's not necessarily color. Yes, does have a part or race. Mm-hmm. Or ethnicity does have a part to play, but it's mm-hmm. it's sort of green now. So if you have mm-hmm. greens, you might be discriminated, yeah, but yeah. you can um, yeah. you can you can yeah. you I, I don't have like, to care about it. Right. I, I think also like when you look at um like Europe in the past ten years, yeah. and um you know I, I think that the real pushback that you've gotten, well Brexit obviously obviously is the the most obvious example, but even before Brexit, the, the kinds of um, the rise to power in places like Italy and Hungary and yeah. other places, you know, speaks to a, a, a real um, malaise, mm-hmm. you know, with mm-hmm. globalization, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so while there, there are, you know, clearly positive things that we can point to um, when you think of, of globalization in general, you know, part of its impetus is a, is a capitalistic drive to expand. Yeah, exactly. You know, and yeah. I think that that's kind of where things have, have um but I just wanted to just to kind of bring it home to the BVI so I think mm-hmm. in terms of our role in this whole talk about growth and globalization mm-hmm. I think to me um, the key thing is is, is education because if you're going to the reality is the economic model is not going to change overnight mm-hmm. it's still going to be <laughs> driven by the same underlying um, principles so I think in terms of how do we ensure that we're not left behind is um, I think education of our people and to have them understand that they can participate on the global sphere right right um, so it's yes of course you want to be able to participate in your own local economy um, but you know just think that you're what you're preparing yourself for a global um, marketplace I think that's um, I think that's very important and I think um, governments need to to, first of all, ensure that finances are managed properly, that there's some sort of plan to definitely articulate where you want mm-hmm. the country to go, whether it's using a growth model, um, which is accompanied by um, equity and equality for your people, ensuring that they're not left behind. I think there needs to be a comprehensive plan in terms of how we're mm-hmm. going to do that. What industries are we going to get into? How are we going to um, adjust to any um, exogenous factors? So you need to be anticipating these things, so not being reactive or right. proactive. The reaction is too late. <laughs> yeah, and we are every, we are, I mean, it's easier said than done, but we're always yeah. very reactive. Yeah. Um, but things are going to be thrown at us. It's a different world now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you, you have to be ready to deal with it. Well, Pat, then I think that's a, a, a good good time to um, to end. I think we will have to have several several other yeah. conversations. But thank you so much for taking the time to thank share. Thank you for having me. Oh, anytime. Okay, really enjoyed this. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. You have been listening to In the Know, a podcast that keeps you updated and informed of all that's happening at HLSCC. This episode has been a podcast special titled "The New Norm." 
facilitated by acting president Dr. Richard Georges, and joined by Recovery and Development Corporation consultant Ms. Pat Leanne Johnson. I have been your In the Know host, Bria Smith. Be sure to tune in every Friday and follow our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram. Also, visit our website at hlscc.edu.vg.